Hello, and welcome to the Professor Podcast with Ruth and Claire. Each episode, we talk about a particular topic in the life of a professor. We are tenure-track faculty members in the sciences, working at a primarily undergraduate university in California. The purpose of our podcast is reflection, so we bring something we think is working and something we're working on to discuss. Welcome to the Professor Podcast with Ruth and Claire. I'm Claire, and today I'm delighted to talk with my former dean and current fellow faculty member, Professor Dale Oliver. Welcome to the show, Dale. Thanks. Glad to be here. I've listened to several episodes since you began, and the most recent one was this last summer after you and Ruth were celebrating getting tenure Uh and thinking about, now what? And so when you asked me to come on, I was thinking, hmm, maybe I have something... um, to share about now what. And uh-huh. uh, I hope I can give you a little window into administration um, as a result. Fantastic. Um, so good. So um, you mentioned a concept about working in administration, strengthening your faith in academia. So let's start at the beginning. You were and you now again are a professor in the mathematics department. Would you take us through the progression of your roles on campus? Great. Thanks. Um, Yeah, from the beginning, I would say that uh, raising my hand to help lead something beyond my own courses and my own scholarship was the start of my pathway towards administration. So uh, first it was, um, I'll help you write that grant Uh to a senior colleague. And then, uh, okay, I'll chair the math department curriculum committee. And then, um, uh, all right, I'll put my name in for department chair and so on. And these experiences led to more opportunities, (laughs) including chairing a national committee on math teacher education and and then eventually being on boards of professional societies and working with school districts and other things. Uh Uh-huh. Right? So one thing led to another. One thing led to another. And then after my second stint as the department chair, this time not just mathematics, but also computer science... My dean started to notice that um, through this service, I was learning to work um, effectively with a broad range of individuals in Uh local and regional and national contexts. So he asked me to serve as a faculty associate in the the dean's office for a particular project. And then later, uh, a year or so later, uh, a new dean was appointed and um, asked me to step in as the interim associate dean, mm-hmm. which I did. And I'll speak a little bit more about why I left that position later. But, okay. um, but after I did the associate dean uh, stint, I went back to the faculty. And then I continued to raise my hand for additional leadership um, opportunities. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, among other things, I served as the university ombudsperson mm-hmm. and the chair of School of Education and the chair of the university curriculum committee. And it sounds um, like a lot, but you just do one after the other. It's uh-huh. not all at once. Uh-huh. And, um, and then about three and a half years ago, the provost noticed that my service had, again, taught me to work effectively with faculty and staff and students across the university. So the provost asked me to serve as interim dean. And I eventually applied to that, and I was awarded the position from which I just retired. Okay. So so maybe I should stop here and talk about why I raised my hand um, to serve in the roles that I've named. Um, I think every senior faculty has a responsibility to lead the institution in some way. Um, and 
I don't necessarily just mean um, faculty governance. Okay. There are lots of different ways to lead. And, um, and in, in, in fact, I'll just say this. I know you just got tenure, but um, most of our, of our departments, in, at our institution at least, and I know at other institutions, have this criteria for promotion from associate to full professor that ha- includes some leadership, mm-hmm. either in teaching and learning or in scholarship or in service or maybe more than one of those. Okay. And um, really, without faculty involvement and leadership, institutions can struggle to grow and evolve to, to better serve their students and the communities from which those students come. I really love that emphasis on the importance of faculties getting involved in the leadership and how, how big a deal that is. That's great. Um, so will you summarize for us, what do deans and associate deans do on a day-to-day basis? What are their roles, uh, in the university and what's, what's day-to-day activities? Yeah, that, those, those are good questions because <laughs> you really sometimes don't know until you get into it. And then you think, oh, I definitely this, don't is, know. this is what we do. Um, so I'll start with the dean. Okay. There might be some more comprehensive or eloquent descriptions of what they do, but I'll just speak from my experience. Sure. And um, so I see the dean as part manager and part supervisor and part leader, and all of those parts overlap. Um, But let me talk about uh, each briefly. Okay. Um, As a manager, the dean, uh, well, this is sort of the budget part. The dean manages resources and expectations. And the dean has to look up or manage up and and address the university or the donors or the, the, um, well, the community at large and sort of indicate why we need resources and what resources are needed. So there's some managing up and then there's some managing down. Once we get those resources, how do we get them into the hands of faculty and staff so that they can uh, do what we hired them to Mm -hmm. do? Um, And of course, we have to limit expenditures so that the university can operate with the funds that are available. So that's the manager part. Supervisor part uh, at our institution uh, may be different than others, but uh, oftentimes the dean is the one who supervises all of the employees, so the faculty and the staff, and then in conjunction with the chairs of the department mm-hmm. who um, act as leads to some of the staff and uh, the lecturer faculty. So the council of department chairs is a key connection between the dean and and those folks. So anyway, uh, supervisor, and then. Sort of the catch-all is the leader. The Mm -hmm. dean is supposed to provide leadership for setting and implementing the mission and the vision and the values of the college, drawn from the faculty, of course, and then um, looks for opportunities for the college to improve its impact on the broader campus community. So the dean is also part of the team that um, promotes the college and the institution to future students and connects to alumni and to donors. Um, And I wanted to mention just a little bit about an aspirational statement that I had for myself that I wrote when I applied to the position. Uh, I'm not gonna get, uh, read the whole part of the statement, but um, I I have to say that my personal and professional experiences led me to um, really embrace a version of servant leadership to guide my work in administration. And at the core of that for me, It's the belief that all people have intrinsic value that transcend their particular position. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's something that everyone could agree with, but I really tried to make that um, sort of operational in in my position. So 
my core commitments as a servant leader are to support the growth of individual faculty, staff, and students, and other administrations in an inclusive community and um, grounded in mutual respect and united in service to the common good. That sort of sounds pretty aspirational, and it is, but I think you need to have some aspirations um, when you get into this sort of service. Uh That's really interesting. I love this concept of servant leadership. So am I understanding correctly, you're you're focusing on the value of the other people, and that's why you're saying servant? Yeah. Or, or is, that, is that true? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. really um, thinking about leadership as... Um, so some, some folks might say it's leadership from behind, where you're um, encouraging others and equipping them to do the work that they have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, again, perhaps more elegant ways to describe it, but it's, it's really focusing on the people. Uh-huh. Um, that are make up the institution. I love that. And then uh, 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 you asked about associate deans uh-huh. as well. Uh, associate deans tend to take on a specific uh, activity that supports the dean. And uh, for example, when I was associate dean, I was tasked with working on college curriculum and then program review and course scheduling and, and some staff supervision. And so that can sort of vary depending on what would be most supportive to the dean. What, That's that right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are, um, in bigger places, there are maybe multiple associate oh, deans see. and some of whom I know, um, well, I know of some associate deans that work only on um, fundraising mm-hmm. and some that work only on promoting scholarship and creative activities, grant writing and things like that. Cool. So, All right. So coming back to your experience, how did these transitions to administration happen? What drew you to pursue going into administrative positions, and what were you hoping to accomplish in those roles? Yeah, so um, just about why I even got into some of those transitional opportunities there is because I was building this record of um, administrative service that um, included activities that intersected with the other colleges, so not just outside of my department, but outside of uh, the college as well, and with upper administration. And so then my name got on lists a faculty to tap for special projects and interim positions. Not like I was, um, you know, uh, trying to prepare myself for all that. It's just sort of happened uh-huh. organically because uh, I had been one that had, had, like I said, raised my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so, other than, and I wanted to say that other than my position as chair of math and computer science and my last two years in the dean's position, everything else was interim. Uh Um, simply because, um, well, I didn't apply, but I, I said yes Uh when someone asked me and I kept saying yes, because even though I loved my role as a math professor, I also enjoyed the experience of learning some new things in new contexts. Uh And, um, I, for me, best of all, widening the circle of people with whom I could work, um, not that I ever got sick of my colleagues in the math department, (laughs) not at all. But but it was fun to, uh-huh. to learn some new things uh-huh. and work with new people. That makes and, sense. Um, and what I hoped to accomplish in those interim positions was to provide some immediate support, because usually um, there, a position opens because someone left and, and we need some immediate support. That makes sense. Uh, to people who really depend on that position and uh, maybe, maybe gets things in better order for the next person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, um, I did say that I was going to say, uh, 
mention why I left the associate dean position, oh, which yeah. was an intern position. And and I could have applied for the permanent position, but um, I chose not to. And this is maybe one of the few um, cautionary notes I'll say Ooh. in the <laughs> oh good uh, no in the podcast. And that is um, at that time there was uh, a sort of an underlying theme in the administrative circles, and I, I wouldn't blame any particular individual, but an underlying theme that. If there was something wrong with the institution, it was the faculty's fault. Mm. And um, I just didn't believe that. And I thought, I, I can't continue to work on that in an effective way in this position. Maybe I'll go back to the faculty. I see. And um, yeah, that's really why I chose at that time not to, con- you know, to make or to move from interim um, to permanent. And, but you know, we got a fabulous person to... Who, who came in and took the permanent position. Course, so all was definitely. well. Yeah. 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 So, um, so uh, can I also, just ask before you go on? Oh, yeah, sure you're, sure. you're talking about saying yes to all these things, and then that puts you in a position to get asked to do more things and broadened you into these, <laughs> these other areas, which seems like it was ultimately really interesting and led you in all these cool areas. So, what advice do you have about saying yes versus saying no? Like, you can't say yes all the time. Is, do, no, what's your guiding principle right. for when you say I, yes? And I did say not no. say this earlier, but I said no at least as many times uh-huh. as I said yes, perhaps more. I, I really do think that um, uh, you, you do have to sort of pick and choose, uh-huh. and you have to think about your overall workload, right? And those moments when I said yes happened to be opportune times, either when... Um, you know, I've tended to, my scholarship to, to include a lot of um, extramural grants related mm-hmm. to education and teacher education. And a big grant was finishing up mm-hmm. or something like that. And then, uh, so I had some space in my, mm-hmm. in my schedule to work on something new. Mm-hmm. So um, I intended to say no when I just had too many other things going on, which I thought were worthwhile. Totally. Um, yeah, right. yeah. But over 30 years, you'd be surprised how many different <laughs> things come up. Yeah, uh, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. That makes sense. So, uh, yeah. Um, I was also going to mention a little bit about um, why I did say uh, sort of a double yes, first the interim dean position uh-huh. and then to the, the position. And it really does go back to the people okay. and the faculty. Um, this was uh, before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, I guess... I guess a year and a half before. And I was just really enchanted by a growing group of core faculty who were working to create a more inclusive and equitable STEM learning community. And um, they inspired me and many of my colleagues. Uh, I, I really valued them for diving into professional development to make their courses and their programs more inclusive and equitable and to move our institution from a Hispanic serving institution which we became uh, a few years ago, to one that maybe would be characterized as a Hispanic thriving institution, to be more student-centered and um, in both the classroom and uh, in research labs. So I wanted to keep that momentum going to encourage more faculty to join in this transformational work um, for the sake of our students, for all of our students, and to improve the, ultimately to improve the value and the integrity of the degrees that um, students came to our u- university to earn. 
So um, I guess I saw a bright future for us and our institution, and I wanted to help us get there. That's lovely. I love that you were inspired to, to help with that progression. Um, so I'm really interested, speaking as somebody who has never been in these administrative roles, your first transition into administration as associate dean, what was the experience like transitioning from faculty member to associate dean, and how did your day-to-day activities compare from what you expected right. they might be? So for me, I mean, I'll share one thing that was shocking to me, and I don't know why I didn't think about this before, and one thing that wasn't so shocking. Okay. Well, so one that was shopping, shocking was um, feedback. Uh, when I was a professor, I think when all, any of you who are listening are professors, uh, you get a lot of feedback from your students, sometimes whether you like it or not. <laughs> but you get feedback on your professional practice. And as an administrator, you don't get that feedback. That's so interesting. You've kind of got to learn to read subtle clues from those that you supervise and from other administrative colleagues to help you decide, um, you know, whether what you're doing is is done well or whether it's beneficial. And um, and so that that was a little shocking. Another thing that was shocking was and was that not every day, but at least every week, there was some hair-on-fire emergency oh, that you no. had to deal with and drop everything, right? And um, I have a, this habit of making a to-do list at the end of each day for the next day. And uh, oftentimes, I would see that, um, oh, I'll, have the, I'll just use the same to-do list for <laughs> yesterday because I didn't get anything done on that. Oh, and, um, and yeah, sometimes you do fall victim um, to the tyranny of the urgent and I hadn't really experienced that quite so much. Quite so. So every week, pretty much, there'd be a hair on fire. Oh, disaster. every week. Yeah. I guess yeah. I can't, because I'm sure I brought you at least one of those. And then if you multiply <laughs> that by everybody, <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, no, you never brought me w- okay, one good. of those. Although I have some, uh, some, some fond memories of uh, some of our early interactions. <laughs> we can talk about that later. Okay. But um, let's see. So less shocking is what I think everybody knows or thinks about when they think about administration, and that's uh, you lead a lot of meetings and you attend a lot of meetings, mm. and uh, the schedules can be so full that you that you have to start scheduling for yourself some time before the day or after the day or on the weekend just to um, think and plan and write and strategize because uh, you don't get that time during the day. Or rarely do you. And I began to appreciate what I had as a faculty member. You know, sometimes I feel like um, I had this progression from um, college student to high school teacher to graduate student to to professor. And all along the way, I kept saying, oh, this is going to be as busy as I'll ever be. <laughs> and, then, oh, and then, or this is as intense as it'll ever be. And then the next stage... I was wrong, right? Uh, it gets gets more intense and more, um, well, busy, if you will. Uh-huh. But um, it it's it's good. Um, administrators do have many demands on their time, and uh-huh. and as a faculty member, I appreciate that I've got more control. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, so so then you return to being a faculty member in the math department um, after being associate dean, and then. Seven years later, the position of dean opens up, and were you immediately sure you wanted to pursue that role? I mean, I guess you were 
ask to be interim dean, but what, what were you thinking about right. that? So, so yeah, I have a kind of a yes and no answer to that. Yes, um, I was pleased to help out as interim dean for some of the reasons that I've mm-hmm. talked about earlier that I do think senior faculty do need to help leading the institution. And I, I knew a lot about the institution and had been the associate dean. So, um, and that commitment to the university and the faculty and staff and students um, hasn't gone away. So um, the answer to immediately knowing whether I wanted to pursue the permanent role was no. Um, I wasn't ready to make a long-term commitment without first deciding if I was going to serve well in the position. Mm. So I did something, um, you know, not that revolutionary. I just made a little calendar uh, for about six weeks, six work weeks, in which I, I um, on purpose reflected at the end of the, each day whether or not the events of that day showed some um, positive service on my part. And um, actually, I just wrote yes or no for Mm -hmm. each day. And then after the six weeks, I counted them up, and I had about 20 yeses and and 10 noes. And then I checked in with the folks I trust who tell me the truth, uh, including my family. And and that confirmed enough for me that... um, I could apply for the permanent position. So, um, and, you know, as an educator, we've been trained, uh, hopefully, many of us have been trained both in research and in teaching to develop and implement some sort of reflective practice. Mm -hmm. And um, I was just uh, trying to um, implement one of the lessons that I've been trying to teach my students for years. I love that intentionality and reflection. What a great system of the calendar. I, I just love that. I remember you mentioning that when you first became dean, oh, yeah. and I, I, th- I think it's a really cool plan. Yeah. yeah, it was also a little bit, I was conflicted because um, the, the two years prior to taking on the dean's role were the two best years I had as a faculty member mm. in terms of positive student interactions and um, sort of evidence that, that the whole enterprise was... Um, of the education, at least for my students, mm-hmm. was having a positive impact. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, 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 I would say that every faculty member has this great opportunity to just get better and better and better. And I really feel fortunate that I had mentors around me that kept pushing me to do that. Mm. And, um, yeah, so I, I, I love that I'm going back to the faculty now yeah. just because I'm excited for learning more um, with my students. Oh, that's so, fantastic. Yeah. Well, that kind of takes us back to the topic from the beginning of the discussion. Um, you mentioned strengthening your faith in academia. So what did you learn as dean and associate dean that helped strengthen your faith in academia? And what aspects of academia do you have more faith in now? Yeah, so um, I think the my, my answer is really um, sort of one mostly about one thing, and that's about people. I think institutions are really primarily about people, and they're valued. Uh, an institutional value is not in necessarily in endowments or facilities or programs, but it's in the faculty and the staff who sign up to educate this next generation of scholars and teachers and scientists and citizens and artists. Hmm. Um, but... Uh, and maybe this does sound corny, but as an administrator, I gained a deep appreciation for these people and for their commitment to and their personal investment in the next generation. I mean, I was inspired almost every day. Wow. Um, 
And I think that with proper support, which I consider to be respect and resources, uh, faculty and staff and those who come after them are really a powerful force for good in the world. And um, if it were not for some personal health challenges, I'd still be serving as dean, primarily because of that, because um, it's worth it working with the people. Because of the people. I love your insight that respect is one of the key aspects of support. Um, that's great. So how has your experience with administration changed you as a faculty member? Now you're, you, you had those great two years and then you became dean and now you're coming back again. So are there things that you do differently now that you have all these insights about the people? So, um, yeah, I think it has made me and continues to make me um, a person that experiences gratitude much more often, right? Gratitude for my colleagues and for my students and for this opportunity to work with um, students again. And um, I think also I'm maybe more forgiving of myself and more gracious with my students. Mm. Uh, my goodness, we, I, I, I observed many instances of faculty moving towards uh, being advocates for their students during this pandemic. A lot of examples of graciousness that turned out to be um, great opportunities for students to learn and grow. Mm. Um, yeah. So um, I also know, for better or worse, the, the um, ins and outs of the institution pretty well. So <laughs> I think I'm a better guide for and an encourager of my students and, and um, for my colleagues as they navigate academic life. And I do, um, I have learned to regularly tell both groups that I believe in them and I'm on their side and I'm in their corner. So, um, and in the classroom, I'm a little, well, I'm quite a bit less worried about delivering information and much more concerned about challenging students to learn foundational ideas deeply oh, and, to think, and to think critically. And I've learned a lot of that from interacting with faculty from across the institution. Uh -huh. um, not that it never crossed my mind before. It's just that it's so affirming to see um, colleagues from across the institution um, focusing on there's this development of their students mm -hmm. instead of the delivery of um, information. That doesn't mean that the students aren't gathering and learning a lot of great information. That's not it. It's just, um, you know, the focus. Um, and anyway, I, I think I spend less time crafting polished lectures and more time crafting activities that engage students in reflection and discourse. And yeah, we do that even in mathematics. <laughs> and then I spend... Less time grading and more time giving feedback, if that oh. makes any sense. Um, what form is your feedback in, if not grades? Uh, it's a combination of uh, written feedback and encouragement on um, assignments. But also, uh, I, I have office hours that I part of the expectation of the class is that students meet one-on-one -on -one with me. Mm. Now, I don't teach um, 100 students at a time. Mm -hmm. I'm... I've got 35 in the class, which is more manageable. So this is not going to work for everyone, but it's um, teaching or talking one-on-one -on -one with students. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully two to three times. Um, over the semester. Over the semester. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's nice. So, uh, and, the, and the last thing uh, I would say about being a better faculty member is, and, and, this, and this sort of happened as soon as I stopped being department chair for the first time and uh, went back to the faculty. Uh -huh. And that 
I go to the minute department chair and say, I will do whatever you need. Um, committee work, more advisees, or teaching hard-to-staff courses, or teaching after 5 o'clock, whatever you need. Uh-huh. Um, because the last thing that, once you are an administrator, or and I'll include department chairs in that, the last thing you want to do is be a burden to the, the next person who raised their hand and to help lead the institution. So. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, and that's making me rethink what I might ask my chair. (laughs) Um, Well, thanks so much for sharing your experience, Dale. Um, Do you have any advice for anyone considering stepping into the administrative side of campus or any other final thoughts to share with our listeners? Yeah, so um, I mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, my my belief that every senior faculty member um, has some responsibility to provide some leadership. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it doesn't have to be leadership in administration. There are lots of ways to lead. Um, and I do think that being a professor is really uh, an amazing lifetime opportunity. Um, but if you do go in administrative dire- direction, that could be department chair, it could be, you know, chairing your, um, you know, the, the curriculum committee for the university or the personnel committee or something like that. Mm-hmm. I hope you use the opportunity to notice all of the people who share your commitment to higher ed and, um, to working for the common good. And if you do, I think you'll be inspired. Well, thanks again, Dale. It's been so great having you on this podcast. Thank you, Claire. Thanks so much for joining us on the Professor Podcast with Ruth and Claire. We're delighted to have you as a listener and we would love to hear from you. And if you want to email us, our address is contactprofessorpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any of your suggestions for future shows or professor quotes that you might want to share with us, or even just things that have come up for you when you were listening to previous episodes. And if you've been enjoying the podcast, we would love if you would spread the word. So the best way to spread word is by telling people you know, if you think they should listen to it, or you can leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.